Well, thank you. It's good to be here this morning. Typically, I have no problem putting people to sleep on my own. But now I'm fighting against sleeping pills and (laughs) a big breakfast as well. But I trust that the Lord will meet with us and that our discussion today will be of profit. I want to begin by reading just a portion of a verse, puts out of water. They may need it more than I, but that's from Proverbs chapter uh, 16. I think you all have an out. Do you have an outline of, of, of what I'm talking about? That's good. Uh, Proverbs 16 and just the opening line of verse 22. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it. Life is filled with choices. Many of the choices are not going to be particularly consequential. Let's say that I'm wearing a navy blue suit. I have to make a choice whether I wear brown shoes or black shoes with that suit. My decision may something about may say something about my fashion sensibility. I can't understand why people wear brown shoes with blue suits, but that's something beside the point here. But it's not a moral issue. All right? It's not a moral issue. But spiritual choices are always consequential. And they, too, are part of everyday life. Some of the choices that you have to make, that we all have to make, are black and white decisions because God's word is specifically clear uh, as to what we should or should not do. But there are many decisions and choices that we have to make in life that are without any chapter and verse Uh, instruction, what to do, what not to do, uh, is often the question when we're confronted with those matters that are not directly addressed uh, in the Bible. Let's pretend for a moment that we're Old Testament Jews and we want to go fishing. And so we go and we find a nice shading spot alongside the Jordan River And we throw our line in, and we're relaxing and perhaps even dozing. And then all of a sudden, we feel a little nibble on the line. And the bobber sinks, and the tug of war begins. And we reel, and we pull into shore, somewhat of a strange-looking creature. Looks like a fish. It has fins, has gills but it has these menacing whiskers as well. And we feel it, and it's smooth. It doesn't have any scales. It's a catfish. It's a catfish. And so our first reaction, if we're an Old Testament Jew by the Jordan and we caught a catfish, our first response is going to be bummer. Now, God never said not to eat catfish. But God did say that You are not to eat anything from the water that doesn't have scales. 
And the fat catfish doesn't have scales. So notwithstanding how hungry I may be for fish, and notwithstanding how some of my Canaanite neighbors say that, you know, if you get a catfish and fry that thing up with hush puppies, it's really, really good. Notwithstanding that, I have to throw it back. I have to throw it back because God has said, not anything about catfish, but he's given us this instruction not to eat anything that doesn't have scales. So we had to make a decision. We had to make a choice as to what we should do with that fish we have caught. Now that's discernment, all right? And God expects us, God expects all of us to be able to make decisions as to what we ought to do, what we should not do, even in those areas that he has not specifically given instructions about. And that brings us then to the topic that I've been assigned to address with you during these moments uh, this morning. How do we make these right decisions in all of the issues of life? That's discernment. The ability to make right decisions is what we are going to understand as discernment. And it is, according to our verse in Proverbs, a wellspring of life. The word understanding, all right, the word understanding in Proverbs not only here, but almost every time that you see the word understanding uh, is the Hebrew word that has the idea of discernment, of making the decisions. And it's going to be an aspect, a manifestation, if you will, uh, of what wisdom is. Now, every topic, as I see the brochure that you have here on your various topics, everything is related to wisdom. Wisdom in this, wisdom in that, wisdom in something else. My topic is wisdom and how that wisdom enables us to increase uh, discernment, the connection between wisdom and discernment. Now, Proverbs, as you well know, and as you're experiencing here, my guess is, in your various studies, uh, is a very practical book. Uh, it brings the issues of our religion into the areas of everyday life. Our relationship with God as believers, uh, as Christians, uh, is not confined to the pew on Sundays. And Proverbs teaches us how to bring all of the issues of life, all of the matters of our religion, into the places where we live day by day. What our behavior uh, ought to be. So as we consider this uh, this morning, I trust that we'll learn some things from Proverbs and know how to live because I say life is filled uh, with decisions that we have to make. Now, let's focus, first of all, here just a little bit more on what discernment is. And we've been looking at various verses, and you can write them down. I'll try to read some of them here, and you can turn up if you like. Uh, but in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 2, uh, as Solomon here begins to give us his scope of what he's going to be addressing here, he says, to know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding. Discernment here, there's that word understanding, and I'm saying that when you see that word understanding in your King James Version, uh, typically it's the Hebrew word that has the idea of uh, discernment. And it becomes an exercise of wisdom. Now, let's make sure we understand what wisdom is. 
Uh, we tend sometimes in English to think of wisdom just as you know, something to do with knowledge and whatever. But, but the idea of wisdom basically is skill. It's skill or ability to do whatever. There was a wise, remember, who, who was the guy that made the tabernacle? Bezalel. He, he, he was a wise builder, right? He had skill in his craftsmanship. The idea of wisdom is skill or ability to be exercised in whatever sphere uh, of consideration. Now, when we bring this into the moral realm, wisdom is the skill, it is the ability to do those things that are pleasing to God. And that's our desire. That ought to be the desire, yes, of every believer to do those things that are pleasing to God. And wisdom is the skill, it is the ability to do those things that God approves of. Uh, it is the principal thing. Proverbs chapter 4 tells us that this wisdom uh, is to be uh, pursued. Wisdom is the principal thing. It's the main thing. And therefore we are to get wisdom, to pursue wisdom. And here it is then, with all of thy getting, get understanding. Get the discernment. And discernment then is the implementation. It's how we implement, how we exercise this particular skill. It's the area of making decisions in the various spheres uh, of life. The ability to decide wisely what is uh, truth and what is error. The ability to make the determination as to what is right and what is wrong uh, on the basis of what God is teaching us. Uh, to make those careful distinctions about truth. Now we can't do that on our own. It becomes a matter of trusting the Lord. I wouldn't be surprised if in uh, some of the discussions that you've had here already, uh, you have been brought to Proverbs chapter 3 uh, and that well-known verse that we are to trust the Lord, not to depend upon our own understanding, uh, but upon the Lord. Uh, an expression then, this discernment is going to be based upon our dependence, it's going to express our dependence uh, upon uh, the Lord, uh, our settled confidence in him, to subordinate our own desires. We're not to, lean, we're not to lean on our own understanding not to lean and depend upon our own understanding, but we are to lean upon the understanding that God gives us through his word. Now, here's the main uh, part of our consideration this morning. How do we increase? How do we increase uh, discernment? And you can see on the outline that I've given to you there, what, uh, four things or so, and we'll address these particularly focusing on one that we'll see here in just a moment. But I would say, first of all, that we want to focus upon the source of wisdom, the source of this ability then to discern. And the source, the source is going to be our relationship with Christ. Without a relationship with Christ, without a relationship with that one that God has revealed to us as the only Savior, the only one that we can depend upon for our eternal destiny, Without a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no hope. There is no hope that man can ever do, that you can or I can ever do anything that pleases God. Remember that wisdom is ultimately now the ability to do those things that God is happy with, that God is pleased with. It starts. It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember in... Is it okay if I go to the New Testament here just for a moment out of Proverbs? Yeah. 
uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, concludes with this statement that God has made Christ unto us various things. He's made unto us, first of all, what? Remember? Wisdom. He's made Christ to us as wisdom, even our justification, even our sanctification, even our glorification, our ultimate redemption. But that idea of Christ being made unto us wisdom is where it starts. It's where it starts. The, it's only Christ that inherently, it's only Christ that in and of himself has the ability to do those things that were pleasing to God. And unless we have a relationship with that one who is the pleasure of God, there's no hope for us. All right, so we have to get, and I, and I, I want to start here, not my main point, but I want to start here uh, by making sure that we have this spiritual, this intimate, this saving relationship uh, with the Lord Jesus. He's the source. Now, that's in Proverbs as well. Uh, in, in Proverbs, there are three chapters particularly where wisdom uh, is viewed as a person. Chapter 1 and chapter 8 and chapter 9, wisdom is viewed as a person. Uh, not, not just a personification of wisdom, uh, but I would, uh, I, I would argue for you, if I have the time this morning, I would prove it to you, biblically and exegetically, uh, but now you can just take my word for it with your Bible open and study it for yourself. But I would argue that wisdom is a title of Christ in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is a title of Christ. Now, don't be taken back by the fact that uh, wh when you read chapter 1 and chapter 8, chapter 9, it's viewed as, as female, all right? Uh, I, I don't want to get into the technicalities of, uh, of Hebrew grammar this morning. That's not quite true. Uh, I, I would love to get into the technicalities of Hebrew grammar. Uh, that, that's the joy of my life. Uh, it, but in, in Hebrew, the word wisdom is feminine in gender, all right? I get this is a little aside, a little aside. Uh, in English, we have three genders, right? We have masculine, and we have feminine, and we have neuter. The Hebrew language only has two genders. It only has masculine and feminine. There's no neuter gender grammatically. Now, gender is a matter of grammar. It has nothing to do with reality. I tell my students all the time that gender and reality are two different things. It's a grammatical phenomenon. And it just so happens that the word wisdom, do you want to learn a Hebrew word this morning? Yeah, yeah, say yes, say yes. Yeah. Hakmah. Can you say hakmah? Ha. Not, not ha, ma, not kh, but ha. Hakmah. Hakmah. All right, that's the word for wisdom. All right, that's the word for wisdom. It just happens to be a feminine word. So the pronouns are going to be uh, feminine as well. If I were translating this, all right, if I had been on the committee uh, of the King James translators to translate this section, I would not have used feminine pronouns. Here's wisdom. I would say he. I would say he. I would interpret it theologically rather than just being stuck to the grammar. But you realize as well, that had I been on that committee, had I been on that committee that translated the King James Version, you wouldn't be hearing me today, right? I've been dead a long time ago. 
also, wisdom, I'm saying, is a title. It is a title of Christ. Now notice in Proverbs chapter 8, uh, verse 14. Verse 14, for instance, this is then wisdom speaking. This is this Christ, this is Jesus uh, that is speaking. Uh, and he says in verse, t- verse 15, counsel is mine, sound wisdom. I am understanding. I am understanding. Not that he is understanding, but he is the ability to understand. And you've come to the end of that chapter. Wisdom says, whoso findeth me findeth life. To find this wisdom is to find life. Now put that in New Testament terms. How does John put it in, in, in his first epistle? He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath the Son hath life. Here in the language of Proverbs, he that hath wisdom hath life. Because that wisdom then is the Lord Jesus. So it starts. There's the source of wisdom. And there's the source of discernment. You can't hope ever to make the right decision biblically and spiritually without having, first of all, that saving understanding, that saving relationship of the Lord. Now, uh, the main point, really, that I want to uh, focus on uh, today is, is really the second idea here, that uh, it's going to increase this wisdom, increase this ability to understand, going to focus on the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. Now, Proverbs has a great deal to say about the fear of Lord. Chapter uh, 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of knowledge. And then if you look over in chapter 9 and verse 10, I think it is, yeah, Well, that's because I'm in chapter 8. That's why it wasn't saying what I thought it was saying. Uh, verse 10, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, it's interesting. Again, another Hebrew lesson for you. Even though the translation in both places says wisdom, the fear of God is the beginning of something, there are two different words. There are two different words. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, Proverbs says that wisdom is the beginning. That is the starting point. It's the starting point of wisdom. Whereas in chapter 9, the word beginning has the idea of the essence of something. It is the essence of knowledge, the essence of wisdom, the fear of God. It's where it starts, it's where it starts, and it's how it's defined. So there's no hope of understanding, discernment, apart from the fear of the Lord. Now, it's a verse in chapter 14, verse 27, that will be my little springboard here uh, as we talk about this. Uh, In Proverbs 14 and verse uh, 27, yes, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. See the relationship here with the verse that we began with from Proverbs 16, that Wisdom here is a wellspring of life to those uh, that have it. Now the fear of the Lord is the fountain or the wellspring uh, of that life. The fear of God. The fear of God is inseparably linked to the knowledge of God. It's the beginning of knowledge. The fear of God is inseparably linked to the knowledge of God. 
to know God is to fear God. If you tell me that you have no fear of God, you're telling me that you have no knowledge of God. You cannot know God as he reveals himself without this fear of him. In many ways, the fear of God is the very essence of what true religion is. To know him. And to know him is to fear him. To know God is to fear God. Now, what does fear mean? A couple aspects of fear. On the one hand, it certainly involves our attitude about God. If I, if I know God as he reveals himself to us, as great, as majestic, as powerful, as holy, and we can think of all of the perfections of God that we can think of, but you understand that God is not the figment of our imagination. Right? God is not just that one that we define into existence. What we know of God is what God has chosen to reveal about himself, be it through his creation, the heavens declare the glory of God. I look at this world out here, and this world testifies to the existence of God, to the power of God, and that's so important. So we have this natural revelation, creation, that reveals to us something about who the Lord is. But then we have his word. We have the word that he has revealed to us. And what we know about God is what he has revealed to us, both through nature and through the Bible. We see him in his greatness. And so that's going to generate this reverence. All right? We often uh, will we'll define wisdom as the reverence that we have for God. And certainly that's a part of it. It's a key part of it. We respect him. We hold him in awe as we see his majesty, as we see his greatness, as we see his power, as we see all of these perfections of God. How can we not then stand with our heads bowed and our knees bowed uh, before him, how great he is. So there's a reverence aspect as we hold God in awe. He is an awesome being. He's an awesome person, uh, and we worship. So there's a connection then. The fear of God is going to dictate how I worship. That's why in the place of worship, uh, when we will gather together on the Lord's Day in, in, in his house, and there's, there's a solemnity there, isn't there? Uh, and there's a sobriety there, and there's a reverence there, there's a quietness there, uh, because we're in his presence. Ecclesiastes tells us that as we enter into the house of God, we're to keep our feet. We're to keep our feet, that is, we're to guard our steps, remembering that God is in heaven and that we're upon the earth. Behave a certain way. We behave a certain way then in the house of God because we're worshiping him. We're worshiping him. And that's true for our private worship as well. So there's reverence. But there's an aspect of wisdom also that involves our behavior, that involves our ethics, what we do and how we behave. The verse that we read in Proverbs 14 here, uh, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that causes us, that enables us to depart then from the snares of death. Remember Job was a man that feared the Lord, and what? He turned from evil. So if we fear God, based upon the knowledge of God, we are going to behave a certain way. Because we know what God approves of. 
Remember, wisdom now is the skill or the ability to do those things that please God. But how do I know? How do I know what pleases him? How do I know what pleases him? Well, God doesn't leave us guessing as to what it is to please him. Some of you perhaps have you know, heard me refer uh, before to what when I grew up and then when I uh, had, had my, my, my sons in my home, we, we had what we called Barrett Law, right? There was Barrett Law. And I, ha- I have two sons. They're, they're big boys now. Uh, but, but I think when my boys were growing up, I think, I think they loved me, right? And I, I think they respected me. And I think they had a desire to do those things that please me. But I didn't want my kids to wake up in the morning and say, you know, I, I want to please Dad. I want to please Dad. But you never know what the guy wants. You never know what he wants. Uh, I didn't want my kids to go through that frustration. So I told them what I wanted. Right? I, I told them what I wanted. I, I, I told them what, this is how Barrett's live. Right? And so long as you live like a Barrett, here's Barrett Law, if you live within that sphere, I will be pleased. There were times I had to discipline my sons, but I never once disciplined them for living like a Barrett. Right? I always disciplined them for living like somebody else outside, you know, and they would look at somebody even in, in church and, and they would say, well, he can, and I would say to the kids, well, what's his last name? What's his last name? And it wasn't, well, don't worry about it. All right, he's not a Barrett. You're a Barrett? And, and here's how Barrett's live. Yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 to, I told them. All right, I told them. So God's the same way. We want to do those things that please the Lord. We want to please the Lord. But God doesn't leave us guessing as to what it is that pleases him. He tells us in his word. He tells us in his word, here is what pleases me in every area uh, of life. And even in the areas of life that he doesn't specify, if we know him, if we know, the more we know him, the more we will know what he likes. And even in those situations then of life that are not specifically uh, detailed, we'll know what to do. As I have to speak as a parent, right, because I'm a parent. It was one of the joys of my life, right? When a, when a kid is small, you grew up, you, you people are that way. But Barrett Law was very specific, right? I would tell them, you do this, you don't do that. Do this, don't do that. But as they grew up, and this is where you people are, uh, just being told what to do doesn't cut it, does it? Uh, you you want to know why. And the, the, the specificity, what a nice word, the specificity of the... Uh, of the instructions become a bit more general. I, I, I didn't tell my, sometimes my boys would come to me and say, Dad, you know, can I do this? Can I, and I said, well, you know, this has never come up before, has it? No. Uh, tell me what to do. Well, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, you, you, you've lived as a Barrett now all of your life, all right? Now, as you look at this particular situation that we've never addressed before, you make your own decision. You make your own decision. And, uh, you know, many times they did. And it was, it was pleasing to me uh, to see them using the principles and the discipline that they grew up in them by themselves, applying it to a, a new situation. 
that's pleasing to a father. And that's where all of us are uh, in terms of our relationship with God and all of the issues uh, of life. So I say for the most part, I was pleased. I'm, 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 you know, I, I'm learning still today. My boys are in their 40s because I'm an old man. Uh, and I'm, st- I'm still learning things that they did when they were your age that wasn't Barrett stuff, all right? Uh, but, yeah, I, I didn't know then, but I'm, I'm learning now, but it's too late to do anything about it. Uh, now, the more I know God, the more I know God, the more I will know what pleases him, and it's going to define, it's going to define the actions that I take, even in those areas that are not specifically addressed in God's word. I know what displeases God. And I know that there are consequences. There are consequences for displeasing the Lord. There's chastisement and there's discipline. And I, I don't want that, right? Uh, we, we know it's a happy thing, right? When the Lord chastises, it's an evidence of his relationship with us. We're sons. He chastens his sons. That's good. But, you know, there's other ways of knowing the sonship rather than just being uh, chastised. Again, think of this. Part of my instructions, as I recall, part of my instructions for addressing you people uh, was to give some personal. So uh, here's some personal stuff. Uh, When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I, I love my dad. I love my dad, and I respected my dad, and I, I, I knew what pleased my dad. But there were some times, and I, I'll admit this to you, there were some times that, as a kid, I, I did some unbearable stuff. Yeah, uh, and, and I knew if my dad would find out about what I did, there was always going to be consequences, and I dreaded that. I dreaded that, particularly. I, I had I had a sister who was a great motivator for holiness because she was a great tattletale. Uh, and I, 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 knew, I, I knew, right, that she would tell Dad what I did, and, and I didn't want that because we, growing up, we had in our, in our front yard a weeping willow tree. You all know what a weeping willow tree is? Weeping willow tree, yeah. And, and when, when I did, on those few odd occasions, when I did something bad and my dad was going to discipline me, he would send me out to the front yard, and I'd have to get a switch. You know what a switch is? I have to get a switch from that weeping willow tree, and he, he would apply it in certain places, right? That would punish me for what I had done. I didn't like that, all right? So there were times. There were times when I would do the right thing, not because I really wanted but I, I, I didn't want that switch, right? And the dread of that punishment, the dread of that chastisement, uh, based upon what I knew my dad would be pleased with and what would displease my dad, kept me doing the right thing. A dread of punishment. To this day, to this day, one of the happiest moments of my life uh, was when there was some kind of a disease went through our area of weeping willow trees, and we had to cut that thing down, right? (laughs) And I cut that thing down. Uh, happy day that was. Uh, 
But you understand what I'm saying? Nobody, nobody likes, so we're, we're going to behave ourselves a certain way because we don't like the punishment. And it's the fear. It was the fear then that I had of my dad. And the dread of that discipline, the dread of that punishment that would come, that would keep me doing the right thing. You say that's an immature motive for doing the right thing. Okay, so be it. But it was a motive for doing the right thing. But there's another aspect of that. Another aspect of how the fear of God is going to affect our, our, our behavior. Uh, and that's the fear to mar the relationship. And this expresses our, our maturity. Uh, the more I know God, again, I want to do those things that please Him. I want to please God with all of my heart. But I, 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 and I know that when I sin, what happens when we sin? We have this alienation that we feel in our hearts uh, with, with the Lord. We, we don't pray. We're not reading our Bible. We feel distant. Uh, from, we, we're missing out on that relationship, that, that communication uh, with the Lord. Because we're done those, we, we've marred the relationship. We've marred the relationship. Uh, l- let me again give personal illustration here. I, I'm married. My wife is in the back there. And, and I love her. I love her. Uh, I, I know her, right? I know her. And I, I know what she likes. I know what she doesn't like. And so there are a few times I get... You know, I'll do some things I didn't like just to prod around a little bit. But not not over serious stuff, right? Not over serious stuff. Uh, but when I, I there, there have been a few odd times. A few odd times in the 50 years that I've been married to her. Yeah, 50 years. Uh, a few odd times when, when I've done something stupid, right? I've done something stupid. And I've displeased her. I've displeased her. Now, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. Because when I displease her, she doesn't talk to me. Uh, and <laughs> if you know my wife, that's odd, right? Because she's talking to... Yeah, she knows. She knows. Great, great talker. I don't, but I don't like that, right? And, and so there are things... I don't want to mar the relationship. So I, I, I love my wife, but I fear my wife. I fear her. I'm not afraid of what she could do. We don't have a weeping willow tree, right? <laughs> yep. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of what she can do to me. I think, I think if push came to shove, I could take her, you know, <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Although she can beat me at leg wrestling. You ever, you ever do that? All right, you lie down facing you. She, she can flip me. Uh, all right. All right, now, serious. Don't want to do those things that mar the relationship, right? And the same thing with God. So you, you simply say the fear of God. It involves my worship of the Lord, my respect, yes but also my behavior. I, I don't want the discipline, certainly, but I, I, don't want to, I, I don't want to mar the relationship. And so it guides our behavior. The fear of the Lord will dictate and guide our behavior. The fear of God. Let me give you a simple definition then of what it is to fear God. To fear God is living in the reality 
the fear of God is living in the reality of God. If I were to ask you right now, if I were to ask you right now, how many of you believe that God is real? My guess is that every hand would go up. I hope so. Well, let's cut through. Let's cut through just the discussion and the confession. In your heart of hearts, in my heart of hearts, how real is God? How real is God? And the fear of God is going to be living in the reality of God to factor God in. Here it is. To factor God in to all of the circumstances, to all of the issues of life. To factor him in. Now here's where it applies then to our discernment. As we make our decisions. As we make our decisions. Will what I do here be pleasing to the Lord? Let's realize that every decision that I make here is in the very presence of the Lord. You cannot be outside of God's presence. Every sin that we commit is in the face of God. We can't be outside of his presence. And if we're factoring God in, sin becomes particularly unattractive to us. If we know that God is here and God is real and we factor him in to the circumstance, it'll help us and it will guide us in making the decisions that we have to make. Even in those areas that are not specifically recorded in God's word. But we read the word. And, and this is, is it, you know, my, my next point there. We focus on the Word of God. That's where we learn what God is. There's where we learn what God is like. There's where we learn what God approves of and what God, and we then can, we can make our decisions based upon that knowledge that we have of God. And yeah, there, there's nothing in the Bible, yeah, that addresses what we look at on the, on the Internet. You don't know the Bible it was written a long time ago, written a long time ago. Uh, and, and so you'll look all, all day long uh, for some instructions there about how, how, how to control the Internet. Uh, and, and, and what, of course not. All right, but there are truths here in the Bible. As we learn something about God and how holy God is that uh, is going to, oh, yeah, as, as I come to this particular site or whatever you call them, you know, I'm, I'm going to avoid that. Right, we're not going to do that because I know that God is real and because I fear God and I know that God is right with me here. We can make the proper decisions. We can make the proper decisions. Uh, I, I give some, some issues for thought there. You know, I mean, all, all of these aren't particularly addressed in, uh, in, in the Bible. Internet stuff, activities, book, entertainment. Companionships, who do you hang out with? Uh, who do you hang out with? Dating relationships, yeah, you're all at that age, I guess, right? You're getting concerned about, no, you're not, yeah, shame on you. Uh, but how, how, how do we make decisions here, right? Is this good, is this bad? Factor God in. It's a fear of the Lord that will enable us to come to these areas of life that even are, are, are not specifically addressed and know what to do or what not to do, but it, it comes from the Word. 
You look at Proverbs chapter 2 particularly, and, and you see how we are to approach uh, the Word of God here. It's the, the more we know God, the more we'll know what pleases Him, e- even apart, I say, from the specifics. But here's, it, it, it comes, what we know of God comes from the Word. And so we study the Word sincerely and, and earnestly, and uh, we search intensively for it, this wisdom of God. Uh, my, my son, let me just read part of this here. I wasn't told how long I go. When am I supposed to quit? Now? Okay. Look, look at Proverbs 2 here. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, put it in your heart, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, there's our word for discernment. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, there's our word. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge, understanding. But through the word. And sometimes it's going to be a search. It's going to take effort. It's going to take effort. You don't, you don't typically find treasure just by shuffling your feet through the dust. You have to dig for it. But we pursue the knowledge of God through the Word of God. And that's where we learn. That's where we learn who God is and what God is like and what God desires. Give careful attention. We sharpen the ear. We sharpen the ear, paying careful attention. So you want to do that, certainly, as you you go to church, as you hear the messages that are given to you time after time, as you're in your catechism classes, your school, be taught. But on your own, right, you ought to have a desire and a thirst for the Word. If you're a believer, yeah, if you're a believer, you've got a desire in your heart to know the Lord increasingly, increasingly. Uh, You know that in your personal relationships, yes, with with, with your friends, the more you get to know them, the more you... It's through the Word that we learn more and more and more and more about who God is, and we get the we get the feel for those things that God would be displeased with, even when I say they're not particularly addressed. But we keep God before us. We keep God before us in His Word, giving the knowledge of Him creating the fear of him that will then be the sphere in which we make our decisions. And then we ask for it. You look at that verse in Proverbs 119. Ask for understanding. You ask for it. And the Lord will give it to you. But I say life is filled with decisions. Life is filled with decisions. We all have our preferences in certain areas. You know, I suppose I'd be happy if I could find a verse that said, don't you ever wear brown shoes with a blue suit. Right? Not there. Not there. And whether you do or you don't, it's not a moral issue. All right, let's not make it trivial. But when it comes to these issues, when it comes to these matters of life that are that are morally important. Factor God in. 
you factor God in as you make the decision as to do this or not to do this. Factor God in. Fear Him. Let the fear of God dictate how you behave. Well, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you, and I trust that as you go through the rest of the sessions here, and as you leave here, as you leave here, that you will take the Lord, fear the Lord, live in ways that are pleasing to the Lord, for Christ's sake. Let's pray. Our dear Lord, how thankful we are that Thou, in Thy goodness, has revealed Thyself to us. That thou didst give us in thy word, thy law, that puts the borders around how we are to live. Lord, help us. So often we hear that psalm referred to as we begin our corporate worship together. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who has made the heaven and the earth. Lord, we need that certainly as we begin our corporate worship, but how desperately we need that day by day, moment by moment, circumstance by circumstance, situation by situation. We need thy help to do the right thing, to choose the right way, to let our behaviors, let our actions flow from that knowledge that we have of thee. Bless these Young people, Lord, we put them in thy hand for Christ's sake.